Welcome to the Marketing Tips for Doctors podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to attracting more patients ready to schedule their first appointments to grow your practice without spending hours and hours away from your practice or home. Hear how to boost your online presence, develop a strong rapport with each one to increase patient compliance while adding value and growing revenue. Now, here's your host, Dr. Barbara Hales, America's leading medical strategist. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors. I'm your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Today, we are fortunate enough to have Lisa Simone Richards. So exciting. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Lisa is a publicist for doctors and health professionals who want to become regular guest experts on TV, top-rated podcasts, and other major media. After working with her, Lisa's clients are recognized as industry thought leaders, add an extra comma to their annual revenue, which I'm always for, and increase their it factor with a sold-out brand. With brand experience, including Virgin Mobile, Staples, Crayola, and more, she gives consummate experts access to the same PR strategies that international multi-million companies are using to scale their businesses. Her clients often start getting press on national media, including Fox, NBC, Forbes, and more during their first 30 days of working with her. Wow, what a whirlwind. On weekends, you can find her playing in the kitchen with her husband, petting all of the dogs in the park, and watching way too many fashion styling videos on YouTube. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Like I said, thank you so much for having me, Barbara. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you this afternoon. So how did this come about? How did you wind up getting into the field that you're currently in? So in 2002, this is when I was in my first year of undergrad at Western University in Ontario, and I had just joined a sorority and I was having lunch with a girl in fourth year who was showing me the ropes and she was about to graduate. And she was telling me after graduation, she was going to be going to PR school. Now, 2002, the big show of the moment was Sex in the City. One of the four lead characters, Samantha Jones, had a PR agency, and it was all fashion and beauty and parties and dinners. And I was like, that sounds cool. I'm into that. I was totally enrolled. So I ended up actually getting my start in the fashion and beauty industry, which I did for a few years. Then I moved into an agency setting where I worked with some of the clients you had mentioned before. A really funny story about me starting to work with doctors was I had an opportunity after being in an agency to work with a really small business. And really actually make a difference, not just be like the smallest team member. And I was able to help that company 10x the revenue over the course of four years, going from 400,000 a year to 4 million a year. And it was like, you know what? A lot of small business owners, they can't go to an agency like the one that I used to work at because they're going to be told, absolutely, we'd love to represent you. It's $10,000 a month. Here's the 12-month retainer. So I wanted to be able to make these practices available to small businesses. And it just so happened that some friends of mine from high school were chiropractic doctors. And a girl that I also knew from sorority land back in undergrad was now a television producer. And she'd reached out to me and was like, Lisa, I know you're in publicity. I'm looking for some chiropractors to come on to the show. Do you know anyone? I'm like, hold on, this could be a business. And here we are now, seven years later. It's funny how things are so fortuitous. People wind up falling into things that they never foresaw when they said, this is what I want to do when I grow up. It just, life happens. 
I think one of the things that I love is like, I knew I'd end up in communications. There's this one picture of me around three years old, sitting in the snow, holding a phone. So I knew I'd end up doing something where I talk, but I wasn't quite sure what. And one of the things I've loved about working in this industry is PR is such a translatable skill. You can use it with doctors, with telecommunications, with products, with fashion, with beauty, with food. So it's been really fun to explore a number of different areas with this practice. You probably have seen that it's not that easy for most people to get onto TV shows, that programs are very selective about the professionals that they're willing to take. What approach do you recommend that health professionals take or what stories are TV stations most attracted to accepting? So the cool thing is it's actually really not as hard to get on TV as people think. And you're 100% correct. Producers are absolutely discerning in who they're choosing to bring on to their shows. But some ways to make it easier to be a lot more attractive as someone pitching themselves for a television opportunity, especially when it comes to TV, I'm going to share a few tips here. Number one, start off going local and start off with a morning television show. Everybody wants to start on Good Morning America. The producers are looking for a really strong demo reel before you start there. So unless you already have a ton of experience, and start local. I always recommend morning television shows as a start because when you think about it, let's say the lunchtime news is about an hour, the evening news is an hour, and that's hard news, the stories of the day. But morning shows, typically from 6 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, that is 15 hours of content that a handful of producers are responsible for. So when someone comes in with a really good idea that's going to take up somewhere between four and seven minutes, that actually does them a huge solid. So if you can pitch an idea and really paint the picture for the producer. Over seven minutes, this is what we would do. These would be the takeaways for your viewers. If you can just make it as easy for that person as possible, that's really gonna increase your chances. One more tip that I'd love to share, make it timely. What's being talked about right now? We're having this conversation towards the end of October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It's also National Blindness Awareness Month. Is there something you could speak to with those topics? What's coming up in the news right now? Take a look at today's paper because that's newsworthy content. Is there a way that you can offer a perspective on what's being talked about? So being timely is something that's always going to win in terms of television because if it's a general story, great, we might come back to that later. But if you make it timely, that gives them a sense of urgency to put you on sooner rather than later. How far in advance do media channels book? That is a great question. So that's called lead times in the industry. When it comes to morning television, when it comes to news, they have the power to be a little more flexible. If something happened today that was a great idea, it could be on TV by tomorrow. But typically with something that's a little more planned, like a commemorative day, week, or month, like we were just talking about, I think you're safe to pitch an idea somewhere between two and three weeks in advance. That's a healthy amount of time to send a pitch out, to do a follow-up, and then to coordinate something in advance of that desired air date. What was the other thing I wanted to answer on that one? When you're thinking, so going back to television, I've honed in on morning shows so far because that's where most of my clients see their success. But we also have daytime TV shows that are on, around noon or one. Softer lifestyle content, something maybe like The View, for example. Those weeks have longer, those shows, sorry, have longer lead times. 
like we said before, morning shows, Monday through Friday, three hours each day, 15 hours of content. However, daytime shows, one hour a day, five days a week, they get a third of that airtime. So they're a lot more selective and it books up faster. So that's where you're looking at something with more like a six to eight week lead time because they're really planning that in advance since they have limited time available. Does a show like The View actually take guests from off the show or do they really stick with the people that they have as staff? So once you're getting to more of those national television shows, relationships really do matter because they have a ton of people who would love to be on there. So something that I've seen a lot in my experience with guests on television shows is they will often start on a local morning station. And then once they've done a good job on that, this is a true story with one of my clients, Sarah Taylor. We were shooting for a local television show here in Toronto called Breakfast Television. It was her first time doing a segment with them. We were up on the roof. It was great. She had two women doing a workout with her flanked on the screen. And at the end of the segment, after the camera was off, the host turned to the producer and was like, she would do a really good job on City Line, which and City Line is a national television show that airs at 9 a.m. after breakfast television. BT, breakfast television is local to Toronto, but City Line is across the country. So when they were like, yeah, she would be good for that show, that was her in. And she's gone on to do at least six to 10 breakfast television segments, at least five to 10 city line segments to date. And that spun into a whole bunch of other opportunities for her as well. So really start with that hyper local to build up your skill. You also, if you're getting on national television, you want to be polished with your message. You want to be confident. You want to have the back end set up for all the attention that you're about to get. So really start local, build those relationships. And that's how you're going to get to those bigger stages. Do you help with the message creating? Oh, 100%. When I start working with clients, I typically take them through what I call my 5P formula for positioning, publicity, and profit. And really briefly, the second step, I'll just jump forward you through the process. The second step is to position yourself as a solution. I think one of the things that I come across with so many people who are really educated and know so much about their industry is they can be super technical. They're really like versed and educated, but we have to find a way. How do we spin this to make it relatable to the common person. Great example of this, back to those chiropractors I'd mentioned a little bit earlier. I worked with them in 2015. And in 2015, we were just starting to get front-facing cameras on our phones. So they had said to me, you know what, Lisa, all these people are holding their phones at this angle. Why don't we pitch a story about elbow and wrist alignment to the morning news? And I was like, guys, I love you so much. And it is so hard to be the bearer of bad news. But if I was just anybody at home sitting watching the morning news and I heard there was a segment on elbow and wrist alignment coming up, that's when I'd go to the bathroom, get a snack or change channels. And that's what the producer has to think. They care about their audience and their ratings. So that's not the thing that's going to land. However, lover or hater, the next week, Kim Kardashian went to London in the UK and she took 1500 selfies in a week. And I was like, guys, let's roll off of this. Kim Kardashian took 1500 selfies in a week. What does that do to your elbows and wrists? So we took the same content that they wanted to share in the first place. We packaged it in a way that was going to perk a producer's ears. It would make people watch television and not go get a snack. And that landed them a national segment. It got them a magazine article and it also got them a radio interview. So it's really about, you can take the concepts you want to talk about, but how do we massage them that they're actually interesting to people? I love my dentist, but if she goes into all these details about my bus bike, 
like husbands and stuff like with love I don't really care I just want clean teeth so it's about we figure out a message that people are actually going to be interested in hearing that makes a lot of sense have you ever considered being in front of the camera or you prefer putting your clients there instead oh that's such a funny question I used to get that a lot that people would be oh my gosh Fun story. This is awkward. I was working for a company and my CEO was just dying to be a regular on this one television show. And we got her a spot once. They liked her, but they didn't have her back. The host was like, Lisa, we want you to come back. We want you to talk about this topic. And I'm like, I want to keep having a job. I can't come on camera. Can you please put my CEO on? And she was like, yeah, no. So I have been asking on camera in the past. And funny story, I have been on camera before. It's not my thing. Like, I'm. trust me, I have only child syndrome. I love being on stage and getting all the attention. But the last time I was on television was on a makeover episode of a daytime TV show. And the episode was called 30 Single and Loving It. And I got to do really fun makeover. Little did I know I was getting engaged the next month. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. We've been married for a year now. (laughs) The first year is the hardest. If you're in love after a year, you're going to make it to your 50th. That's the best news ever because here's a little fun Lisa fact from behind the scenes. We didn't even move in until I think like maybe five months ago. So we got married and then just went back to our own homes for about eight months. So now we're in the phase, okay, let's integrate life, but it's been going and we're enjoying it. So I'm great. It'll be a fantastic 50 plus years. That is good. Do you know what the number one problem or dilemma is for newlyweds? Money, domestic chores. What else could come up? I don't know. I think it's one of those two. What to make for dinner? When you're single and you're hungry, you just go get something to eat. But all of a sudden, now you have to figure out how to feed somebody else and that you actually have to cook and you have to think about it in advance. And, you know, that's such a dilemma for people. And you know what's so funny? My husband and I don't, we love to play in the kitchen, just like a bio. Like we love to cook. We don't often have the, like the other day, something came up in conversation. I was like, do we have a regular go-to thing for dinner? He's like, no, we're always trying new stuff. That's great. Beef Wellington. We got to get better at that. I think we've tried three or four times, but we're practicing. The next question, getting back on topic that I'd like to talk about is for the publicity releases. Okay. Oh, this will be fun. You might think that what you're doing is great interest to the public, whereas the media might say, we're not interested in it. How do you write a, how do you write one of these releases that will get picked up by the media? Okay, fantastic. I totally have some answers and some strong opinions on this one. Back when I worked at an agency, press releases were something that we were using pretty regularly. This was around 2007 or so. Now I, you know what, I now that I'm working with some corporate clients, I do a handful of press releases. But for the average small business owner or individual practitioner, a press release is not the thing that you do. You're looking for something that's called a pitch, a simple email from one person to another saying, hey, I had an idea for a segment and I'm going to share some tips of what makes a really good pitch. Number one mistake that I see people make when they're pitching themselves for media opportunities is they make it all about themselves and they don't lead with value. Hey, I do X, Y, and Z, and I'm capable of ABC, and I've won one, two, three awards, and I, me. And as soon as the producer is reading through that, they are their eyes are glazing over. They are not interested in giving you a free commercial with love. That was the hardest thing I heard in PR school, but it served me so well. So what I really encourage people to do is how can you lead with value? How can you make sure 
sure that the viewers are going to want to stay on the station and also that anybody that watches can leave richer than they came. Something I always share with my clients when they're about to do any kind of media appearance, whether it's a podcast interview, a radio interview, or a television segment, is make sure that people, number one, have a short-term win, something they can do in five minutes or less to feel successful, but also set them up with something that they need to do a little bit longer term. And that's where you come in as a facilitator to show them along the way. So that way you're really making sure that, hey, whether or not someone takes the next step with you, they are actually able to see some sort of improvement in their life or their process or whatever you might be talking about. So leading with value is literally is really the most critical thing to do. And a litmus test I like to put my clients through when they're sending out their own pitches, because I love to also teach people how to do this, is just before you hit send on that email, scroll through the left margin of your paragraphs. How many of them begin with I, me, or my? And if you're seeing I, me, or my showing up over and over again, guess what? You've made that entire pitch about you. So shift it from, I would love to come on TV and talk about to your viewers could really do with an understanding of X, Y, Z, and I would be able to share with them how to do that. Same sentence, same content. We've just shifted it around. So as much as you can make that positioning lead with your viewers, your audience, and how it's going to benefit them, now you're thinking from the producer's point of view, because the thing they care about most is the value for their audience and keeping their advertisers. How helpful is it to join Harrow? Oh, I've had some clients get some really great opportunities from Harrow. Personally, I don't tend to scan it that much. My done-for-you PRs are really specific clients, so I don't use Harrow as much. But I had one client, this was a fitness instructor who used Harrow and responded to a query from a publication online called Pop Sugar. And Pop Sugar gets more viewers per month than Refinery29, Vogue, and CN combined. So if you're in health, fitness, and wellness for millennials, that is gold. So she responded to a Harrow query and got a feature with Jenny Sugar, who was the author. And they developed a really good relationship and one feature turned to two to three to eight, ultimately. And at the time, this was during lockdowns. So they were doing a lot of digital content to really connect with their audience. And they would have trainers to come and lead a workout on Instagram Live. And they invited my client to do that. Now, sadly, it didn't end up coming to fruition. But had it, they had just under a million viewers at the time. What would it have been like for my client to get to do a live on Instagram on an account with 900,000 plus viewers? And let's be real, the Instagram algorithm is not showing it to almost a million people. But if one tenth, if 9,000 people were watching that, and even a tenth of that, like 900 people decided to work with her, what would that do to her business this year? So you never know what could happen. And I think Harrow is definitely an avenue worth pursuing. If I can offer a quick little tip, just skim the headlines because now they break it down into lifestyle, business, et cetera. So that'll really save a ton of time between reading through the different opportunities. That's great. When you are considering giving a pitch, would having a demonstration of what you're talking about make you stand out more than someone that is giving a pitch without a demonstration associated with it? Absolutely. I am such a huge believer. And again, we were saying earlier, but how can you really paint that picture for the producer? Because the more questions that they have, the more gaps that there are, that creates friction. There's work that they need to do now, and they're less likely to move forward with it. So when I'm sending, for example, I work with a number of fitness clients, and when we'll send a pitch over, if they're saying, we're going to do an exercise, we're going to do a segment with these kinds of exercises, what in the name of the exercise, I'll hyperlink it to even a YouTube video that's not their own, just showing what it is. So now, 
now we're helping the producer see what this could look like. They're considering, okay, what are the camera angles we're going to need? Is someone on the ground the whole time? Are they jumping? So being able to do those little things behind the scenes, again, helps make their job so much easier. So even if it's not your own content, you could say, we could do something like this and link to it. And they can start getting a sense of how that would lay out visually. That make, that does make a lot of sense. What are two tips that you could give our listening audience who are now like really revved up after hearing you going, oh, oh my God, I want to do this and I need to speak with Lisa. So what two tips would you recommend? The first thing I would do is encourage people to think about what's the end goal. Getting visibility is awesome. That's great. But what do you actually want to get as a result of it? Is it more people walking into your physical practice? Are you selling more books? Do you want to be able to book opportunities for stages? So being crystal clear on what's the outcome this publicity is moving you towards is going to make sure that the work that you're doing is intentional, leading to the result that you want to create. So that would definitely be number one, be intentional about what you want to do. And then I guess what would the second step be? The second thing for me would be to consider now that you know what you want to create, who is that audience you want to be in front of and where are they paying attention? I would say another mistake that I see people make sometimes is they're thinking about what they would pay attention to, but not necessarily the desired audience. So even taking it back to that fitness example, because I've worked with a ton of fitness companies, I get a lot of trainers and studio owners coming my way. I'll have studio owners say to me, you know what, Lisa, I work with women who are coming to the gym for the first time, and I would love to get featured in bodybuilding magazine and oxygen and strong and muscle and fitness. And I'm like, you read those, but she does not. Like, let's talk about Cosmo, Self, Pop Sugar. So being intentional about knowing who's the right person and where do I need to get in front of them, that's going to make sure the effort and the work that you're putting in actually pay off into the result that you want to create. Those are really great tips, Lisa. How can our audience reach you? So the best way to find me, I would say, is if you're curious about getting on television, head over to www.publicityfordoctors.com because that's where I have my doctor's guide to getting on TV, sharing five tips to help you get started along the way, including a training video that's going to help you too. So that's over at, again, www.publicityfordoctors.com. Otherwise, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I am the only Lisa Simone Richards on there. I use my middle name for marketing search purposes because there are two many Lisa Richards is otherwise. That's wonderful. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, I'm so appreciative. Thank you for the invitation. And if I could share one last thing for everybody listening, if you've just invested 25, 30 minutes in listening to this episode, don't just let it be all great inspiration. Actually take something you can put into practice and create a result from it because there have been people who've listened to me on podcasts before and book TV segments. So you could totally be the next one. That is great advice again. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Doctors. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Press the subscribe button so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about the show. Join us on marketingtipsfordoctors.com for replays and more resources to help grow your practice, strengthen your brand, and dominate your field. Remember, you are one tweet from greatness. Greatness.